Bibles, open them up to John chapter 11 today. Uh, John chapter 11 is where we're going to be. If you don't have your Bibles, um, the scripture is going to be on the screen behind me. There's also one under your seat. You can feel free to take that home with you. That is yours to take. You don't have to feel like you got to sneak it under your shirt or steal it or anything. It's okay. You can walk out of here. You can be like, hey, I got a Bible. It's good. Or you can also look on our Facebook page. Uh, scripture for Tasha have been posted already. And while you're there, go ahead and check in and let someone know you're here at Impact Sea Church. By the way, we had uh, kind of a little challenge. We said we need to try to get up to 700 likes by, I think it was like last night or two nights ago. We got up to 694. So, I mean, can we do six today? Can we, can we try to get that? Can we share it with our friends, family? Can we hack their phones? I mean, something like that. I mean, let's just, I mean, that's wrong, but we can do it so we can get in there. All right. Um, or pie, no, 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 not a pie in the face, no. Seven pie, six pies in the face was enough. We don't need seven. Hope you all had a good 4th of July weekend. Let me catch you guys up on what we've been doing. We started a sermon series last week called When God Doesn't Make Sense. Whenever God doesn't make sense. And in this series, we're looking at stories in the Bible of times when God does something And it just does not add up to our minds. We don't understand what he is doing. It's important for us to to examine these things because many times in our life, we will have moments when God does things in our lives that just don't add up. Like they just don't add, they, they don't make sense at all. We don't understand why he's doing something and we get confused, okay? So like, you know, you know, have you ever thought of it that way? Why is he doing this? Why, why is this going around, okay? He does something that is totally unexpected, okay? And last week, we talked about God seeming to be a little unattentive to what we want and to what we pray for. And we said, you know, it's almost as if God's up there and we're like, God, are you listening to us? Because we've been praying and we've been praying and we've been praying and I don't even get anything. You're being silent to us. You're being unattentive to what I and praying to you, but ultimately we said that even though we might not understand his plans, that does not mean that we can't trust in his plans. And we said ultimately that his plans and his purpose are going to prevail above ours in every day, that, we, that every time that we try to, to pray something above God or pray something of our own will, ultimately his plans will prevail over our plans every day, and that is a good thing because God always knows what's better for me and you. Even though we don't understand it, it's always better than our way. Even though you might not think that, you're wrong. It's in the scripture. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't like say that. I took credit for that. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. And today we're going to look at and continue this series, and we're going to talk about when God is late. Those moments in your life when God seems late to the party. He's He's late. He's never on time whenever you want something. There's something that you're praying for, and God might give it to you, but not in your time, in his time. And we can be honest, there are many of you right now that you are waiting for God to do something in your life. There's something that you've been waiting for for a while. I don't know what it is. Whatever you're praying about, you're believing God to do something, and you know he can do it, but he hasn't. 
There's something in there. There's something that, that you want. God doesn't do anything about it. I don't know what it could be for you. Maybe it's a financial challenge, okay? Maybe it's a job that is really needed, okay? Maybe you're, you're, you're having a medical issue. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's an eternal struggle that you feel that you're losing ground on. But whatever it is, you've been praying, God, I, am, I need this. I need this. I need you, Lord. Just like the song says, Lord, I need you to help me to do this for me. And ultimately, God is silent in your life. What do we do with that? But a show of hands here, how many of you have ever asked a question, God, why won't you just do something about it? Show of hands. God, why won't you just do something about it? Good. Hands all around. Those of you who did not raise your hand, because the it is sitting right next to you. So you're like, God, why don't you do something about them? Okay? That's, that's, that's probably what it is, okay? God, why don't you just do something about them? Like, I've been praying for them, okay? The reality is that all of us at different seasons of our lives will face waiting seasons. Times when we are just on neutral, we're waiting for something to happen. We're all in there. And we've seen him do great things in other people's lives. But for some reason, God does not think or know that we need to do the way we want needs to be done right now. We are in a waiting season. And in that time of waiting, it is really hard and sometimes it's really awkward and uncomfortable at times. See, maybe you're waiting for God to provide you the right job. And ultimately, your funds are running out. Like right now, we're a church that we're trying to get started up. And ultimately, we feel like there might be a clock on us to say, you know, hey, we are, we are out. Like we are running on fumes as a church. And we, and we are in a waiting season as a church body. Maybe you're in a waiting season as a family. You're saying, Lord, I know I need a job. I know I need a better job. And ultimately, my finances are running low. And you're waiting for God to do something, and you're just sitting there like, come on, do something, hurry up, do something. Maybe you're waiting for God to do a miracle in your relationship. Okay, maybe you're that girl that's like, oh, if God would just transform this guy, if he would, if he would just make this guy be a man and not a boy with a mustache, like, if he would just make this guy grow up, then we can do something great. Maybe you're a guy like, Melanie, if she would just learn how to cook, like, Lord, can, she just, can you just give her the wisdom of fruitful cooking, and can you just culinary arts here? Can you do something about it? Maybe you're waiting for your house to sell, okay? And you're like, Lord, I'm just, it's been in the market for a year. I just, when is it going to be the right time? I wanna, we want to move forward with our lives. Maybe you're waiting for a child to come back to faith in Christ. Those of you who are a little bit older than us, you have kids who are teenagers, and they do that, that rebellious thing. Maybe you've been praying for years, Lord, bring them back, and bring them back in one piece. Maybe you're waiting for a miracle of some kind of a physical situation in your life. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you just got that one phone call that just ruined your life from the doctor. Maybe you got the bad news and, and, and maybe you just heard, uh, or maybe a family member that you know is, is, is having surgery or is going through something. You're like, God, just, just do something about that. Lord, just move in that person's life. Just, just do a miracle, Lord. And you believe that God can do something about it, and you're praying, and you, and you want God to do something, but, but he's not doing something. And all along, you're wondering, why are you making me wait? Be honest. Why are you making me wait, Lord? If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, write this down. When you're God, when you're waiting on God, when you're in with him, a waiting season is never a wasted season. When you're with God, a waiting season is never 
a wasted season. In fact, I want to show you a story in the Gospel of John, and we'll be in chapter 11. You can turn there right now. Um, we're going to look into a really powerful story about two sisters and a brother and their time of waiting with Jesus, okay? The sisters are Mary and Martha. The brother is a guy named Lazarus. And if you didn't grow up in church, you might not necessarily know the story of Mary and Martha and these sisters, but they were very close to Jesus. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, you don't have to turn there, but in the Gospel of Luke, there's a story about Jesus coming over to their house for dinner, okay? And so they set up time, and they set up a little time, and they say, Jesus, want to come over for dinner? And they probably cook him like enchiladas or something, and they come over, and they bust out the Julio chips and salsa, and they hang out, and Jesus is over there, and Mary's there, and Martha's there, okay? And it's kind of, kind of a funny story, because Martha is in the kitchen, and she's just like busybody. She's just going to town, getting dishes lined up, preparing the food, double-checking the oven, making sure the cheese is melted on the enchiladas, and she's like just going to town doing all this, and Mary is over at the foot of Jesus, and she's on her knees. She's cleaning his feet with her, with her hair. She's worshiping him. And Martha's like, hey, Jesus, come on. Hey, can she come over and do some work? I mean, levantate, do something. Come on, let's do something about this. Come on, get into the game here, okay? And Martha is kind of that type A personality where every detail matters. And it's like Jesus is here, but she has to make sure that the napkins are lined out. You know, Jesus is here, but she has to make sure that all the silverware is out there and ready to go. Jesus is here, but she has to make sure that she has all enough sides and food for everybody. And all the while, Mary is just chilling there with Jesus. And she's more of a type B personality, kind of like the hippie, free spirit, beach bum type person, you know. Not that it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's not what Martha is, okay? And she's like, man, whatever, Martha. Like, this is Jesus. Like, like why do you care about that? It's, it's Jesus right here, you know? And so there's a conflict issue. But ultimately, the point of what I'm trying to say here is that Jesus was close to that family, okay? They were close, okay? He came over for dinner, and he had a great time there. He enjoyed it. He brought, he brought all his disciples over, and everyone had a good time. And they were very close. And so whenever their brother Lazarus got sick, they totally and completely thought that it was okay because Jesus was close to them and he was going to do what, for Lazarus, what he had been doing for everyone else around the country, which was heal the sick. So certainly Jesus would do the same thing for them. He would come over, but I can't come over for dinner. By the way, I'm going to heal Lazarus while I'm there. We're going to kind of take care of that. Then we're going to eat some more enchiladas, okay? You know, he, he, obviously he would do that because he's close to them. But God doesn't always make sense, right? Let's read this together, starting in verse 1, John chapter 11. It says, Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And Mary, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. It was Mary who did this. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now notice the intimacy in this passage. He's, she, they don't use his name. They don't say, Lord, Lazarus is sick. He said, Lord, the one that you love is ill. Not just some guy that you've just met. Not some acquaintance. No, the one you love. How many of you guys got that one, that one buddy of yours that, like, like, you guys have been through so much together, right? 
maybe your old, you know, your old veteran buddies, and, and, and you've been across the, and you know, you've seen a lot of crap, and you come over, you guys are brothers now. Maybe you, maybe like, you know, I'm a, I do firefighting, and I'll tell you what, some of the guys on the, on the, on the, on the team that we're on, like, we're close, because we've been through stuff together, you know? Like, like, that's what we do, you know? Maybe like your sisters, and maybe it's like people you know, you're like, I'm so close to this person. Like, you love that person. This is the same thing Jesus has. He loves Lazarus like a brother. They didn't even have to say your best friend is sick. They said the one you love is sick, okay? They are certain that this is so in the bag. Hey, Lazarus is sick. He's on the bed. He's puking. He's like kind of got, he's, he's got fever. Hey, send word to Jesus so he can come over here and do the thing that Jesus does, do that Jesus thing and heal Lazarus, right? And they, had, they thought this was going to happen. I mean, Jesus and them were close. They were in the missional city group together probably. You know, they were like best friends. They did breakfast together every once in a while. They, he was in their home. He was, he was definitely going to have to come back at one point and heal Lazarus. And this was going to happen. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait. They wait one day, and Jesus doesn't show up. That's eh, all right. You know, maybe it took time for that messenger to get where Jesus sat. Maybe it took time to, to get all the way out there, okay? And then the next day comes, and they're like, oh, okay, okay. He's a little late, okay? It's all right, but, you know, maybe, you know, it's okay. I'm pretty sure he's going to be here, okay? And then, and then, you know, he's coming. He's got to be coming. You know, he's got to be on his way. Day three rolls around. They're like, I cannot believe he is not here yet. Maybe his camel broke down. I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe he's having camel problems. I don't know. You know, some of you guys probably, you know, thought that was more funny than others. You know, the next day, okay, when is he coming? Because Lazarus is turning blue. Okay, when is he coming? The fever is not breaking. There has got to be time. But, but we believe, we know he has got to come because this is Jesus. This is the one that, that loves Lazarus. He has got to be here. And then chances are they probably started to do, they started to doubt themselves. And they started to doubt Jesus maybe. And maybe they started saying things kind of like what we do whenever we, we're praying. And we're starting thinking like we got to remind God for the reasons of why he should help us. And you start thinking but. but Hey, God, I mean, like, like, I give, like, I give, I tithe to Impact City Church. Surely that's got to count for something, right? Like, my brother is sick, he's dying. Like, we give to the church. Surely that's got to count for something. Like, do something about that. Or, you know, hey, Lord, I serve. I serve my butt off. I serve in the Kid City ministry. And I serve those beautiful little demons over there. <laughs> And I am I'm trapped. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm locked in with love with these kids here, and I'm serving them sacrificially. Or maybe you're saying, Lord, I sacrifice so much. Remember, Lord, whenever my cousins were getting married, and, and they had this big fiesta, and I wanted to go, and, and, and I didn't go because there was an outreach for the church, and I stayed home to do the outreach instead. And you're thinking, like, like but Lord, they have on the Boulevard over there at the wedding. And you know how much I love those wedding cookies. You know how much I love the cinnamon and white sugar cookies. And yet I did not go and I gave my weekend to you. And here I am with my brother sick and you still can't do anything about it. What the heck? Or Jesus, I shared that Bible verse on Facebook. I know it made sense to my agnostic friends. They had to have read that. 
I shared the Reformed Theology Thug Life. I know it had to be a really good video. I know it had to speak volumes to their, to their lives. But how can you not help me in my time of need? I'm pretty sure that as much as you love God, these are all things that many of us have probably said before in the past. Because I know I have. Like, Lord, I'm, I'm pastoring a church. I'm giving up time with my family. I'm giving up time with my, my, my bigger family. I'm giving up job and overtime hours to be here at the church because I want to love and serve you. I mean, come on. I'm in the pastor of Impact City Church. What would you do without me? You know, like, like no, that's a joke. And so, um, you know, what, you know, come on, Lord. Like, come on, like, like, move, do something. This is what Mary and Martha were probably thinking. I can, I can assure you that because they're human. Jesus, you were in our home. You ate our food. We were close. What's up, man? Where you been? Where are you? Why aren't you here? But remember, with God, a waiting season is not a wasted season. This is where many of us are today. We're waiting. We're waiting for something. Those of you who are waiting right now, you're praying for something and you're believing for something to happen. You've got faith in God and you know he can do it, but he's not doing it right now and your faith might be dwindling. I want to give you two things to remember today that I hope will build up your faith in this season of waiting right now. Number one is this, if you take notes, always remember this if you're in this waiting season, that God's delays do not necessarily mean God's denials. God's delays don't necessarily mean God's denials. Just because God is delayed does not necessarily mean he is denying you whatever it is that you are praying for, okay? In other words, just because God has not done it yet does not mean that God is going to do it later or he might do it later. And just because he hasn't answered your prayer now does not mean that he's not going to answer it later. In fact, in verse 4, if we keep reading here, Jesus said this, verse 4. It says, but when Jesus heard it, what did he hear? He heard about his loved one being sick. It says, when he heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Okay? Then he said something that was really profound. And it was almost like there was a new category for us to think about when it comes to prayer. He said this. He said, no, 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 no. He said, listen. He said, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The messengers came over to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, the one you love is sick. He said, it's not going to result in death. What's going to result in is going to be the glory of God, so that the Son of God can be glorified through it. That's why all this is going on. In other words, I know this is going on. I know that, that and, and, I, and I know, but I am still in complete control. And when you get to the end of the story, you're not only going to see that there was a purpose to this madness, there was a purpose to this, this sorrow, there was a purpose to this crazy event in your life, but you're going to see that I will be glorified through this whole thing and that God's name will be lifted high. You're going to see that at the end of this trouble, this end of this, this struggle that you're going through. Remember that God's delays do not necessarily mean God's denials. In fact, I will argue all day that sometimes we have to experience what Pastor Craig Rochelle says is a divine delay. We have to experience a divine delay, a God-orchestrated pause in 
time, a God-orchestrated delay in our life. In other words, God may not do what you want him to do, but ultimately he's going to do what he wants to do, even if it's the same or different purpose. He's just going to do it on his time. It's kind of like with your kids, and they want something. But you want to make them do something or learn something now before you reward them with the thing that they want. God, yeah, exactly. God wants to do something in you before he gives something to you. It's in times of waiting that, that, that God, that we learn great things. And sometimes he wants us to learn those things for a little bit longer because we haven't gotten down yet. Best example, patience. Never pay, pray for patience. Because God will make you wait to teach you patience. Patience, Lord, I, I, I need it. I really, Lord, I, I, know, I know the timing's not right, but I really would like to have this thing or whatever it is. Patience. Maybe he's making you learn contentment. Lord, I, I really want this car. I really want this job. I really want this thing in my life. I really want this, this thing to happen. And God's like, I've already given you everything you need. Be content, bro. Just live in this moment for a little bit longer. Don't blink because this is just a moment in your life. Uh, you'll get those things maybe later, but right now you've got to live with what you got. I'm going to teach you how to be content. Like Paul says, I am content in all things. I have been rich. I have been poor. I have been healthy. I have been sick. I am content in all of these things. Maybe he, he wants you to learn to trust him more. How can you ever trust in something that always gives you what you want when you want it? And when we are in faith with Jesus, it is constantly a trust game with him. If he gave us everything we wanted whenever we wanted it, we would never look at him as Lord of our life. We would look at him as the easy button to get whatever we needed all the time. Maybe God wants you to trust him more. Oh yeah, you want your mom to be healed? It's going to take a while. You're going to grieve. You're going to go through sorrow. But ultimately, are you going to trust me? Maybe he needs faith. He wants to teach him faith. Maybe he wants you not to see that next step. Lord, I just want this. I want this. I, I, I think this is right. And, and why are you so silent? Show me a sign. Show me that burning bush that says, take this next step. And God's like, I want you to learn faith. I want you to take that next step without me even being around in front of you to see if you trust me enough to do it. Maybe he wants to teach you faith. Let me ask you this side note. How is God stretching your faith? This side note right here. How is he stretching your faith? Sometimes God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. You may experience a divine delay, but just because he hasn't done it yet does not mean that he's not going to do it. God's delays do not necessarily mean God's denials. Mary and Martha were, were thinking that. They're in the, the house and they're just going stir crazy. Lazarus is sick. And they're thinking, you've got to come, Jesus. We sent the messenger and surely you're going to be here. They're praying, Lord, bring Jesus. Bring him back over here. He's got to be here. You've got to heal him. You've got to. And we know he has got to be coming back, okay? But again, with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. We're going to see how that plays out. So time goes by. 
time goes by and, and, and Jesus has not yet arrived and they're, they're certain he will. And Lazarus is, is really, really, really sick right now. He's on the bed. He's, he's starting to kind of break out and hide. He's going messed up. He's sweating. He's in, the, he's in that, 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 that last final stage of his life. And they're thinking, surely any moment now, I mean, he's going to be like, he's going to swoop in like the superhero and save Lazarus. He's got to be like, maybe he's just waiting for the last breath. And right before he takes the last breath, here comes Jesus. Boom. Heals him of his sickness, okay? But Lazarus fights as hard as he can and eventually takes his last breath and he dies. I mean, like real talk here. That's not the praise report we want to give. Like you don't hear, you don't hear that. Hey, how's your brother? Man, I prayed for God to heal him and he didn't. Praise God. No, that sucks. Like straight up. I prayed for God to do something and God, you did not do it. The sisters must have thought, oh man, they must have started getting stir crazy angry. But you know, Jesus is out there and he's healing Roman soldiers. We don't even like Romans. Like they're mean to us. Like they beat us and they take our money and our taxes and they, their tyranny over us. And here is Jesus healing them. And he can't even take time out of his day to come over and heal his brother in Christ, the one that he loves. Why can't he do that? It doesn't make sense to me is probably what they were thinking. What do we do when God doesn't make sense? Eventually, a long time later, guess who shows up at the front door? Jesus shows up. And by this time, he is not just late. He is insultingly late. He is way late. I mean, they brought all the meals in. They did the arrangements at the funeral home. They probably embalmed or getting ready to embalm the body, okay? They wrapped Lazarus' body up already. They put him into the tomb by now, okay? And it's been there for four days. And finally, finally, out of nowhere, Jesus comes over to the house. Well, now it's personal for the sisters, okay? Because not only did you not heal my brother, You have the gall to come over while we're in mourning all late and show up like nothing's wrong. Read with me here on verse 17. John 11, verse 17. It says, Now when Jesus came, he found Lazarus has already been dead in the tomb for four days. Church, how many days was he in the tomb for? Four days, okay? Now that's really important to know, okay? First of all, if you read ahead, you're going to find out that what does the body start to do after four days of no life in it? What does it start to do? Come on. Decay, decompose, stink. Okay? It starts to decompose. Okay? And in fact, many versions of the Bible say by this time his body had a bad odor. Many of you teenage boys always have that bad odor, but your body had a bad odor. The King James Version says, and it's kind of funny, it says that he started, by this time, he started to stinketh. And that's how you make the word stink sound holy. You add the if in it. By this time, he stinketh. Like, you ever tell your kids that, hey, y'all, y'all stinketh, you know? But it's important to understand that four days was very, very significant. It had tremendous significance to it. The reason is because in the first century, 
people believe that when someone passed away, that the spirit of that person would hover over the body for about three days. So within three days, there is a very, very good possibility that a miracle could happen and that, that, that spirit could come back over that body and bring them back to life. That's the thought process of the early century Jews. Okay, now the problem is that Lazarus has been dead for four days. So four days have gone by. His body stinketh and it's starting to decay. So in other words, by day four of someone being dead, there is no hope whatsoever. Game is over. Jesus, you have let us down. You have failed us. And in other words, you showed up, but you showed up late, bro. Check out what happens in verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Okay? So, so she, she, Martha goes up there, and she's like really in his face. And she says this in verse 21. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. I can just picture the scene. All right? Here's Jesus at the door. Here's this, you know, like really upset sister. You know, that, you know the people you've seen at funeral homes that get really upset? And she's up there, and she's at him, and she, maybe she's pointing at him. Maybe she's kind of putting the fist to his chest. And she's like, if you would have been here, if you would have just shown up, my brother would not have died. After all I've done for you, after being faithful in my prayers, after abstaining from sin, after sharing the good news with everyone, after welcoming you into my home, into my family, you have failed me when I needed you the most. I love the reality of this text. Let me read that again. Because the Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The next verse says, But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. The reality of that is so, so real to us because quite honestly, that's where where I like to live in my life. That God, I don't know why you're not doing what I wanted, but I still trust you ultimately. God, I don't know why you allow these things in my life to happen, but ultimately I trust you. I don't understand, but my faith is in you, Lord, okay? This is where many of us are right now in our lives. You're waiting on something to happen, and it's not happening. Maybe it's a financial situation. We said that earlier. Maybe it's a financial situation, okay? And it just seems to be getting worse and worse as time goes by. Maybe you're fighting for your marriage, And the harder you seem to be fighting for your marriage, the more disconnected the other person seems to be. Maybe you're praying for someone um, that you love, that they're they're going through something. And you're praying for God, just bring a miracle to this person. That's my daughter, that's my son, that's my my father, my mother, someone that you love. God, whatever, they need a breakthrough in their life. They need to come back to you, Lord. And you kick back and you go, God... You're not meeting my expectations. Like I serve you. I do all these things for you. God, if you would only be here, my expectations would have been met. I believe in you. I trust you. I worship you. I honor you. I serve you. Why are you not meeting my expectations? Which brings me to point number two. If God always meets your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. 
If God always met your expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed your expectations. See, this is the thing. We have very small brains when it comes to what we think God can do in our lives. When the Bible says that he can do incredibly more than we can ever ask or imagine, we think that that is like, that, that, that's the plateau, that's it. But God is saying, the best thing that you can think of for your life, I can do that ten times better. And you can't even fathom the greatness that I have in store for you. It might not be what you want, but ultimately it's what I want, and ultimately that is better. Let that sink in for a minute. If God always met your expectations, he'd never have the chance to exceed your expectations. Let me explain it like this. Verse 21, Mary comes to grips with the reality that there is no more hope and that her brother is gone. Jesus is late. Lazarus is dead. No hope. Verse 21, no hope. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Look at that, verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Let me kind of go over that one more time. Verse 21, no hope. Lazarus is dead. No hope. Verse 23, Lazarus is going to come back to life. He's going to rise again. Mary is confused, and Martha tries to understand it all. And she says in verse 24, Martha said to him, I know, I know, I get it, I know. She says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I get that, Jesus. I understand. I know theology. I know my scripture. He's dead now, but in the resurrection, he's going to rise up again. And what she's doing, she's believing that one day when the trumpet's going to sound, that God's going to come back, Christ's going to come back, call up all the people who are who died, they're going to meet him up in the clouds and all that, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, I, I get that, but right now that doesn't help me, God. I get it, but right now. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You see, I'm going to be glorified through this. I am working a better deal on this transaction here so you thought that what you wanted was best but i have something better look at me at verse 25 jesus said to her i am the resurrection and the life whoever believes in me though he dies shall yet he live and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this What Jesus is saying to the sisters is, you thought the resurrection was going to be an event? What I am telling you is that the resurrection is a person, and it is me. I am the resurrection, and with me, death has no sting, and death no longer has the final say. Death is no longer the end game. You see, for me, it is the ultimate end of death. When I die for your sins, whenever you put your trust in me, you, even though your body will die, you will live forever in God with God in heaven because I am the resurrection and the life. God is saying that even though I'm not meeting your expectations, I'm going to exceed your expectations and do something that is incredibly more than you can ever ask or imagine. Mary and Martha were asking for a healing. Jesus is bringing a resurrection. That is 10 times better than the healing. They wanted something that was good. Jesus had something that was far better for them. Many of you need to hear that today, and many of you need to believe that today. How silly are we to believe that we know what is best for God? How silly are we to believe that we know what is best for our lives? 
when you make decisions outside of scripture for your life, you're basically saying, Dad, I don't need you on this one. Daddy, I don't need you for this one. Daddy, I, I got this on my own. When you act outside of God's will, you're saying, Dad, I don't need your help on this one, Dad. I'm okay. I can move over. Listen, singles, you may be praying for God to bring you that certain person and he hasn't brought them yet. That's because that person is not for you. Or maybe you're with someone that God, I just want to marry this person. I want him to be great. And God's like thinking, that guy's a psycho. You don't want to be with him. Five years from now, he goes crazy. He goes back crazy, you know. Like you do not want to be with that person. And down the line, God's saying, I have the most perfect guy for you lined up. He loves me. He fears my name with respect. He puts me first. He's not going to lead you to bed. He's going to lead you to me. And that's the guy I want for you. I want a guy who's not going to lead you to bed. I want a guy who's going to lead you more than me. Maybe that's you. Uh, Parents, maybe you want a certain job or a certain life for your kids. And you're pushing and pushing college, or you're pushing and pushing this one career for your kids. Like, if they would only grow up and take over the family business, if they would only grow up and be a lawyer, they only go to law school, they only go to med school and be a doctor or something like that, and God's up there thinking, like, I want them in the mission field. Like, I want their life to mean so much more than that. You want them to do something that's really good, that's great, that's fine, there's nothing wrong with those things. But I want something of eternal difference for them. Maybe you're waiting for that job and, 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 and you're like, God, I, just, I need this job, I need this job, I need this job, and it doesn't come. And God's sitting back there saying, like, just wait a year. You're going to get the job of your lifetime that you never even saw coming. Just wait a little while. Be patient. Maybe you're praying for that loved one to be healed, just like Lazarus. And it never comes. And the cancer takes him away or... The injuries they sustained when the car wreck subdued them to death. And you're thinking, where is God in all this? But at the funeral, the preacher comes up and he preaches the gospel. And many lives in that funeral home get saved. Oh Lord, if you gave me what I wanted, you would never have the chance to exceed my expectations. You don't have to understand or even like the plan that God has given you. You just have to trust in it. Because ultimately your father holds you in his hands. And ultimately he's going to do what is best for you the way he sees fit. Mary and Martha prayed for healing. Jesus gave them a resurrection. Drop down to verse 38 and read this with me. Jesus spent some time there in the home talks to the people. He cries a bunch. Yes, Jesus cried. He, he cared about Lazarus. In verse 38, he says this. It says, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. This is where Lazarus was buried. He came to the tomb. It was a cave and it had a stone laid against it to block the door, okay? Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha, the sister of the dead man. And she said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, okay? For it has been four days. In case you forgot, you were late to the party, okay? Just got to remind you about that, okay? And he says, there's an odor. He stinketh. It's been four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, 
Father, I thank you for what you have, for you have heard me. Says, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. So there's a bigger and better purpose for all of this, okay? Then he had said all these things. He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out with his hands and feet bound in linen strips and his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Let me ask you, why do you think he said, Lazarus, come out? Because if he would have said, come out, then all the dead people would have come out because he is that powerful, okay? Why do you think he said it that loud? Because when you're dead, you don't hear very well. Lazarus, come out. And then Lazarus came out walking. What do you think he said when he came out, by the way? I'm just... You know, like, man, it was dark in there, you know. And so God did not give them what they expected. God exceeded their expectations. Not only did they get their brother back, but now they see the power and the glory of God. And they see how awesome Jesus really is. They would have never got to see that if he would have just healed Lazarus. They got to see God in all of his glory healing the dead. It was a reflection of what was to come. When Jesus was going to be in the tomb, dead for three days for our sins, and he was going to rise and walk out of that tomb with victory over death in his hands. I want you to understand that God's delays did not necessarily mean God's denials. If you're in a waiting season with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season in your life. Enjoy it. Perhaps God wants to do something in you before he does something for you, look out for that. And if God always met your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them and show you his awesomeness. See, many of you right now, you're stuck on verse 21. Like verse 21 is your story right now. You're hopeless. Your marriage sucks. The health is not getting better. Funds are running out. You're stuck on verse 21. I'm never going to find that person who really loves me. I'm never going to get to that point in my life where I feel successful. I feel comfortable. I'm never going to feel like I am doing something right. You're stuck with no hope on verse 21. But just two verses down in verse 23, there is hope. Many of you need to move from verse 21 to verse 23. Many of you need to stop saying that there is no hope. You need to have that waiting season in verse 22. And you need to see the glory of God in verse 23. You're feeling like maybe God isn't caring about your prayers. But if you just hold on. If you just keep pushing through. If you enjoy that time of waiting. If you learn from it. You will see the glory of God. And the hope restored in verse 23. When God is late, it does not mean that God is not good. Will you trust him today? Will you trust him while you wait? I love the promises of scripture. Because whenever I feel lost, this is where I go to find my anchor. Because Isaiah 40, 31 tells us, but those who wait Not those who take it upon themselves to do their own thing. Not those who grumble. Not those who complain. Not those who try to 
do things on their own to get above and, and beyond in life. Not the ones that don't take time to see what God wants for them. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray.